welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Research seems a little bit irrelevant um, to practitioners unless they can see, oh, it actually influences this, or this is how you can implement it. Hi Tanya, hi Paul, welcome to the FE Research Podcast, really nice to talk to you. Hi Charles, hi, nice to talk to you. Thanks for the invite, <laughs> nice to speak to you too. Okay, so it's really, it really, I'm really excited actually to get another sixth form college along to talk about practitioner research, so, so thanks very much for giving your time today. Do you want to start by telling us a bit about yourselves, your roles at the college, um, and uh, yeah, just introduce the college and what you do there. Sure. Okay. So uh, we are a sixth form college um, in Ipswich called One Sixth Form, um, and we have a whole range of different courses here, ranging from um, selection of A levels, but also quite a lot of vocational courses, such as BTEC and an IMI motor vehicle, for example. Um, and I am one of the directors, and I'm responsible for the uh, STEM curriculum area. Um, and as my cross college uh, responsibility, I'm also responsible for research. So that's kind of where kind of background for the action research comes in really so yeah that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years to try and get off the ground um, here in the college across the different areas. Yeah so I, I deliver on the sport courses um, and I coordinate the courses in that area and I've been doing that since we opened in 2010 um, so for quite a long time now and then more recently over the last couple of years I've been working with Tanya as a research champion so Tanya's the research lead and then we work kind of under her guidance as research champions and there's a team of us that um, take a lead with various projects that we're interested in. Okay so thank you so I was really um, impressed and excited to hear about the roles of research champions at the college I'm not sure I've come across many other um, six falls with a group of research champions. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how, um, what teacher research looks like at one college and um, how, how it all came about? Sure. So um, we have actually now got a team of nine research champions. We started with seven last academic year and we've gained another couple this year. Um, and really the idea was sort of twofold. Um, I wanted to encourage staff to carry out their own research projects, but also to engage with what's out there and then share, share more widely with the colleagues in their respective curriculum areas, um, and not just the findings from their own projects, but also from reading and, um, you know, what they sort of engage with of the evidence what that's out there to suggest, um, you know, what works well in the classroom. So really it was to help develop teaching and learning and continuously look at how to improve further um, and yeah, bring the evidence into the classroom really because I think engagement is a bit varied. You know, staff are interested but don't always make the time um, or don't always have the time when it's really busy. Um, and even when they're reading, they're maybe not always integrating that into their own practice or yeah, using it in the classroom. So it was kind of to try and encourage more of, of that really in, in across the different areas across the centre. So the, the research champions all kind of conducted their own projects last academic year, all based on what they were interested in and what's out there in terms of evidence. And the projects were really quite wide ranging. We had um, a couple of projects running on metacognition and, and independent learning and self-regulation. Some staff were looking at 
whether flash marking can be used to reduce teacher workload. Um, we had somebody looking at neuro-linguistic programming, which is really interesting. Um, lifestyle choices, the impact of lifestyle choices of students on, on um, you know, their, 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 um, their learning and lessons. Um, you looked at active learning. Yeah. So, so yeah. it was quite wide ranging. It was really what staff were interested in and what, um, based on the literature that's out there as well, and the evidence that kind of suggested that those strategies would work. Um, and then they tried it out. And then um, we found a way of sharing those more widely, the outcomes more widely across the college. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question, actually, about sharing. So, so you've got your nine research champions and you've just outlined a whole raft of um, research topics that they've addressed. So once they've gathered that information, you know, found out things, how, how is all that shared and, and what impact does it have? Mm -hmm. So um, we run um, sharing of good practice sessions periodically in the college anyway, which are in our 8.30 time slot in the mornings. Um, and basically what we've done is the research champions have um, offered sessions in that time slot, first of all, and staff across the college can sign up for that. So we have an electronic booking system where staff can then select what they're interested in join for between half an hour and 45 minutes in the mornings. So that's one aspect of what we've done. Um, and then more recently, we have started this ac academic year to run um, or to organize teaching and learning coffee mornings, where the research champions have basically in their respective curriculum areas, organized um, activities for staff to engage with research, not just their projects, but also other reading. Um, and the last one, I mean, the, the last one we've done, there was a selection of different things from ranging from metacognition to dual coding mm -hmm. and um, where we've given staff ideas on little cards of what they could try out. Um, and then staff had the opportunity to discuss that in small groups whilst having a bacon sandwich and a coffee. So I think the <laughs> aspect of, you know, doing it in the mornings and giving them a bit of time. To, and then the idea is they go away and try this out and then come back again in these, in this, these groups to feedback. That was one aspect. Um, and then more widely, we've, we've shared by presenting at various events, like research at here, at, at one we run um, last last academic year. So I started this academic year. And then we've obviously been to your place as well to present. Um, and yeah, we have a, a, a web page set up on our website as well. Um, mm. Literally, the page is called Research at One. And staff were writing updates all the way along to those projects. They started off with just an introduction. And then they update as they were going along to show, to share their findings. Um, and yeah, the, the end point was we did a poster presentation. Yeah, yeah so we, yeah. We, we made scientific wow. posters and um, presented some of it here, but also that they are also on our website, kind of put it all more into a little bit of context yeah. and have all the background and stuff on there as well. Okay, we'll make sure that we share the link for your research page um, with the details of the podcast. Um, so uh, can you give us some examples maybe of some quite specific impact, maybe pick out one research project and, you know, just what impact that's had either on classroom practice or on the students? Sure. So I guess the, the, one of the bigger projects we run um, last year, which was also funded, um, um, we were lucky enough to get some money from the Ipswich Opportunity Area to run this, was the one that we did on metacognition. So the funding allowed us to um, free up some staff time, which was great because generally the biggest challenge is to kind of give, give staff the time to develop resources and do the reading and do the real, you know, thinking of how it could be integrated into their 
teaching in the classroom. So um, all of the biology staff had some time to, to look at this last year and they um, developed resources based on the guidance report from the Education Endowment Foundation on metacognition. So they used that as a starting point um, and then develop, they developed resources such as um, uh, exam wrappers to help students to evaluate their learning following assessments, for example. Um, they looked at giving students a lot of resources for um, independent learning outside of the classroom for homework in advance of lessons and also um, just generally to help them structure their learning when they're not with a, with a member of staff. I mean, and then there were also all sorts of strategies they looked at in the classroom to help metacognition, such as modeling different different strategies of how to approach exam questions, for example. Um, okay. And yeah, in terms of impact, I mean, we, we biology results for us for A-level are, are really good and they are kind of continuing to sort of improve. So if, we, if, you're, if we're purely looking at outcomes in terms of grades, then it looks like this is having an impact. Um, and the way the study was set up was um, there was a, a comparison with the control group. So we could kind of try and pinpoint it a little bit more towards it really having the impact that we were looking for. Um, but also, as obviously, we did surveys with students and with staff. And generally, like, the feedback from the students has been really good as well because they, they kind of really valued being given these strategies to help them to develop okay. um, their metacognitive skills. You, you mentioned that you had some um, funding to be able to carry out that research. Did you, was it from the Education Endowment Foundation? Is that who no, you said? it was no. from the Ipswich Opportunity Area. So there was some, um, oh. they had a, um, a specific pot of money for evidence-based practice. Um, and they, were, they encouraged basically projects um, that were using evidence or, you know, research that's out there um, that linked specifically to um, science, um, which is why, you know, we focused on biology in the first instance. Mm -hmm. science and math specifically but it's because we were in an opportunity area where you know we have a lot of disadvantaged students and it's kind of like really pushing to get their attainment up and that's where the funding came from ah right okay and um, can i just ask you then finally um tanya before we, we, we speak to paul um what kind of support do um teachers get to be able to carry out um their research project uh, thinking that some of them may be new to thinking about action research you know whilst they're working etc yeah sure so i mean I, I think the biggest support is with the time element really freeing up some of their time but then in terms of um when they were starting to look at designing their projects and how to actually implement it in the classroom, I guess the first instance it was, it was myself doing a lot of one-to-one -one meetings and just support with ideas of kind of how to design it. Like my research and my background is really in kind of scientific research um, rather than pedagogic research, but I've, I have attended quite a lot of um, uh, CPD, external CPD events to help with that as well. We also had a little bit of support from Suffolk University um, initially to kind of just help us with the um, with the methodologies and so on um, and then yeah there was a lot of me meeting with with staff one-to-one -one. but yeah my research is I have a PhD in, in scientific research so I know quite a lot about how to design studies but obviously some of the more qualitative aspects of what we were doing I had to rely on um, you know some of the context we've got at some of the university and also with the ethics surrounding those sorts of aspects as well. Okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, so um, Paul is one of your research champions. So um, Alistair is going to ask a few questions now. Okay, thanks, Joe. Um, right, okay, Paul, here we go. Um, 
So you've told us a little bit about your role already with the, the sports department and things like that, but what have you been doing for your research project um, that you've been running? And uh, what's your kind of question and the problem that you sought to answer along the way? Um, so the, the major um, question that I look to answer was the influence of active learning strategies. So would it have an impact trying to deliver a, a heavily theoretical um, unit the content was anatomy and physiology, um, which our sports students tend to struggle with. Um, it's quite biological. Um, it's very paper-based, desk-based, quite traditionally taught um, and examined externally as well, which added a little element of pressure because some of the students who are on the BTEC courses have a bit of a barrier up around um, examinations and their ability to be successful. Um, and I, I had tried to use fairly active learning strategies, so things within the unit where rather than just looking at the cardiac cycle from a um, diagram, we would go to the sports hall, I would lay out the structure of the heart in cones and we would walk through it and people would put bibs on and take them off and hold up signs and do various things. But I just aimed to make it more memorable. Um, did things that I thought initially just would help me to learn it and remember it. Um, without really relying on much um, evidence behind it, just anecdotal evidence for what had worked previously. Um, and then thought I would formalise it and see, does this actually make a, a difference? Does it just, is it just a bit of a quirk? Is it something that they enjoy but doesn't really help them to attain? Or is there something behind it that would actually impact on their Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so obviously you told us a bit about how you carried it out there, but who was involved in the, in the research that you took, that took place? Was it just yourself teaching or, or groups of students? It, it, was, it was myself teaching um, and it was two different groups. So the full year 12 cohort for the BTEC Sport um, Extended National Diploma. So with one group, um, we didn't employ those active learning strategies. With the other group, we did. Um, and then we looked broadly at their outcomes when we got the analysis of their external assessment in March. They sit the exam in January. So we delivered that unit between September and January. So they were quite new to the college. Um, they didn't kind of know what to expect or what was normal anyway. Um, and then when we got those results, we looked at them more broadly. And then we drilled down a little bit into the questions that specifically related to the topics that we um, had active learning strategies attached to during their delivery. Excellent. And... Um... Did you have any literature that informed your thinking on this topic or was it mostly yeah, it was, experimental? It was, <laughs> it, it was done in a kind of back to front way. I appreciate some people look at the literature and that sparks the idea. Um, I think I already had anecdotal evidence from my own teaching in previous years and I thought, oh, is there something in this? And then referred to the literature to see if there was things that related. It was The, the literature was interesting. Um, there was a few studies on task persistence and how active learning can perhaps assist with that. There was also a, a, a number of studies on physical activity and the role that that can play in attainment, but not really um, anything directly related or specific to just learning something in a more active way and seeing whether that influences attainment. Yeah, okay. And uh, is there any kind of top tips for reading for anyone else interested in this topic or any kind of literature that stood out for you? Uh, yeah, there was a few that I relied on um, and read and found quite interesting. There was a study by Anderson and Bergman on task persistence um, that was quite interesting, um, just looking at different strategies to try to encourage students to um, persevere with tasks that they found quite difficult, which I think aligned with the topic they were um, looking at in this particular unit and their disengagement perhaps from past experiences, maybe in, in science lessons, um, 
perhaps in previous study of sport or PE lessons. That's a traditional um, unit that is often examined anyway, so it may have been a bit of barrier there too. Um, and then McClelland et al, and they looked at attention span and academic progress, so mm -hmm. a similar um, link. And then finally, uh, Raspberry et al, which looked at physical activity um, and academic attainment. But like I say, it was a slightly different context. Yeah, okay, no, that's really interesting as well. Um... So what were the key findings and kind of emerging themes from your research? Um, I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll set out some kind of health warnings with regards to how much can be read into it. Um, so it's very difficult to establish cause and effect um, because the variables are so numerous, um, especially when you're dealing with human subjects. So I don't 100%, I can't categorically say, yes, it's definitely because of the active learning strategies that we saw an impact, but there, we, we only did descriptive stats as well because the sample size was quite small. Um, so we didn't do any inferential statistical analysis. Um, but there appeared to be a difference between the control group and the experimental group with the active learning students achieving um, in excess of their peers. Um, and when we drilled down into the questions that specifically related to the active learning topics, that um, effect was even more pronounced. Um, we tried to look at controlling some of the prior learning. So we did look at their average GCSE scores on entry um, and compared the averages between the control and the experimental group. They were broadly similar, although the experimental group were slightly higher in their prior attainment, which also could have had an impact. Yeah, and you mentioned at the beginning um, that, that you said really this came from your experience before any of the kind of reading research side of it. But I think taking that into account, would you do it again? Because, you know, that the key findings with statistics are, are quite important, but are you going to carry on doing this in your practice? Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the nicest things um, was the ability to have autonomy to do something that really interested me um, was, was one of the really beneficial things. But also to, to see whether there was any evidence behind what I was doing um, mm. and, and were they doing okay in spite of that? Or was it actually helping them to do okay? So I guess a little bit of um, reluctant validation in terms of it seems to work. Um, although I think it would be interesting to see whether it would work with different types of students in different subjects. Um, sports students, I know it's a bit of a stereotypical generalisation, but they tend to like to be quite hands-on um, and do things actively. So they might enjoy it. Whereas the external validity, does it apply to other people? I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, that's certainly sparked some ideas in my mind about my own students as well and, and kind of things that we maybe do but but don't necessarily take account of. So that's really interesting. Um, but uh, what do you think this means now for, for your kind of students, college and the, the wider FE community? So are you going to do more sharing of this and maybe expand the, the research a little bit more? Um, yeah, I mean, it would be good, like I just mentioned, to, to see whether it, it also is there and there's, there's evidence that it, it seems to be impactful with different groups of students um, to broaden out, perhaps to get a sample size big enough where we can do some um, more detailed statistical analysis as well. Um, but it certainly allowed me to, to think about practice and how I deliver and what works and what doesn't, um, which I think has been really beneficial just from a personal point of view. And, and some of the staff members who I've delivered CPD to, um, I've tried to let them have a go at some of the active learning strategies to make it active as well, rather than just talking at them. Um, and, and they've gone away um, relatively enthused, which I think is important with perhaps some fresh ideas, even if perhaps they don't get to implement them as often as they'd like. That's excellent. So I was going to say the next question on here really is what's your key message? But I suppose you said there, have a go. Is that is that part of it? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned this in the informal chat with Joe at the beginning. Um, but it's, I think for me, the accessibility is a key issue rather than um, getting bogged down with the, because a lot of it comes from psychological research and it's, it can be quite heavy and it can appear um, very verbose and it's very easy to switch off and think, well, how does that actually apply to my practice? I think that's a big thing. Um, research seems a little bit irrelevant um, to practitioners unless they can see, oh, it actually influences this or this is how you can implement it. Um, so breaking down those barriers would be a key message. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Thank you ever so much for that, Paul. Thank you. And uh, I'll pass it over to you there, Joe, to, to round up. All right. <laughs> so it, it's, I think it's really interesting that it was your own curiosity about your practice in the classroom that actually led you then to formalising um, your research project. That, that's, you know, really good to hear. And it sounds like you've got a really supportive environment um, professionally to be able to carry out research projects. So that's also really fantastic to hear. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, some people will be quite jealous. <laughs> we, we are, you know, we are very lucky in the, the staff. I know staff at most centres are fantastic and incredibly committed. But yeah, I think staff are really open to it and, and you are made to feel secure enough to give things a go, make mistakes, um, mm -hmm. figure it out. Um, and I think there comes a point in your career where, you know, you might have tried out some lessons for a few few years in a row um, and it's nice to try to keep it fresh by looking at does it work does it have an impact okay right. well look we'll, we'll round things off there I was just thinking about, um, you know, when we first started, um, backing up what Paul was saying, when we first started advertising for research champions, um, you know, what's the incentive for people to apply? And I think it sort of yeah. is what Paul was talking about, their own kind of curiosity, giving them the freedom to pick something that they're interested in that, yes, of course, needs to be backed up by evidence at some point, but it's just like to try and get people engaged by giving them that freedom to try something out and pick something that they really want to do yeah. rather than kind of imposing something on them that you know necessarily from the college perspective but something they can pick themselves I, and i hear that um a lot that that, that same message um it's similar here so, so those that have you know opted to carry out a research project would say the same thing there are still plenty that are not choosing it at the moment and i think you know they are wary of time commitments etc so it's still something we're wrangling with. But it's just nice to hear that some people feel they're in a position, you know, where they can um, have greater agency over their own professional development, really. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll um, round the podcast off there. Thank you so, so much for your time. And it's been really great to speak to you both. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks both. Yeah, thank you, Tanya and Paul. It's been uh, really interesting and insightful for me as well. Thanks, Alistair. Thanks, Alistair.